Let's all take a moment and reflect on a simpler time. Oh, the good old days of the year 2020. Sitting on our front porch in the evening, it was week 12 of a two-week lockdown. The evenings were warm as we basked in the light of fires that were set during mostly peaceful protests by Antifa and BLM. Oh, the good old days. Anyway, that was a really rough time for a lot of people. I know it was for me. I mean, I had to work at home. I, like, mowed my lawn six times a week just so I could do something. All I did was work and seemed to eat hostess snacks in an unhealthy amount constantly. Then I was fed a constant stream of fear porn by the mainstream media. Oh, those were the good old days, weren't they? It was during those days that the idea of a podcast first entered my head. So I interviewed a woman named Carolyn. She was someone I followed on a Facebook group about preparedness for a lot of years, and she is a rock star when it comes to food storage. After I listened to the audio, I decided not to publish it, mainly because I hated the sound of my own voice. So I would just pass that audio along to my family and a few close friends, thinking that it might help them get better prepared. I almost uh, deleted that audio several times, but in the end I always held on to it, and I think now I know why. We are in the midst of some extreme inflation, and my guess is it's going to get worse before it gets better. So food storage might actually be more important now than during the pandemic. If we can build that food storage up now, it'll save us money in the long run. That interview with Carolyn is next on this edition of the Mormon Renegade Podcast. to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. Welcome back to the Mormon Renegade Podcast. As always, you can get a hold of me uh, either by email at mormonrenegade at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of me on uh, Instagram and Twitter and Getter under the handle Mormon Renegade. Also, we have a website up, and that's mormonrenegade.com, so go check that out. So before I get to the audio of the conversation I had with Carolyn about food storage, I want to get something out of the way real quick. At the time this interview was done, I was still a member of the LDS Church. Now, I always had fundamentalist beliefs, but I kept those pretty close to the vest. So in no way should Carolyn talking to me back in 2020 uh, suggest that she endorses my views on religion or any of my beliefs or the church which I now attend. With that, here's Caroline. Carolyn, can you tell us just a little bit about yourself? Just get a feeling for, you know, um, who you are and then how, how did you get involved to the extent that you have with food storage and, and prepping? Uh, I, uh, I graduated from college as a, um, well, I guess <laughs> my degree was in home ec education uh, with an emphasis in foods and nutrition. And so I, I, in college, um, I joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and, um, and discovered that they counseled people to have food storage. And with my background in foods and nutrition, I just became excited about that idea. And I grew up 
in a family with a grandfather who grew a garden and who canned and my mom didn't do any of those things, but I just got excited about it again. And as I just researched and lived that kind of lifestyle, um, more and more people started asking me how to do things and what to do. And so I started researching and just expanded into all areas of emergency preparedness. So I've been doing it for about 30 years. So I've interviewed a lot of people. Wow, that's awesome. So so really, I mean, all your experiences firsthand, right? I mean, you, you've really got your hands in the middle of it and, and really figured it out as you've gone along. I really have. I really have. And it's been, a, it's been a great opportunity to be able to help other people and to see them uh, find that sense of peace because they're, they feel like they're more ready for the challenges that come, whether it's some, a pandemic or a job loss or uh, added medical expense or whatever it might be, uh, that they just feel more at peace to be able to handle those things because they're prepared. I, th- I think you bring up a really good point with that thing of being at peace. I remember there was a time, and it's not like we don't have food storage now, but there was a time when we were really stocked up, right? Um, and, and we were okay through the pandemic and everything. We weren't scrambling. But um, I remember I was sitting on the steps of the cellar, and I was just looking at all the food that we had amassed and and all not just the food but other things and you're right it does bring a sense of peace right um it's like you don't have to worry about can you eat in in a in a horrible situation um carolyn if i might ask was there anything with the pandemic that you saw that really surprised you as far as society's response to that <laughs> there are a lot of things <laughs> It surprised me how quickly toilet paper disappeared. Um, I I really didn't know that people would be of that mindset right away to think, oh, what am I going to need? And that would be the first thing that they would think of. I have long counseled people to store far more toilet paper than they think they're going to need because it's a great thing to trade. Uh and it's, it's a good way to be able to help people. It doesn't go bad. You can store it in the attic or in the garage. So I've always told people to store a lot of it. So, um, I, but I was surprised how quickly people kind of gravitated to that. Oh, I need toilet paper. Uh, I was also surprised how quick, how much water people stored. They were going out and buying, you know, just flats of water everywhere, which I thought, that's crazy. There's not going to be anything wrong with our water during a pandemic. Uh, I would have spent my money on other things, uh, not water, because in most cases, our water supply was just fine. Um, but it, it, so anyway, it just kind of surprised me. It has surprised me how long store shelves have stayed empty. There are still things in my stores that, uh, that we can't get. And or things that are in in short supply. Like one of the things here that is in short supply is cake mix. Crazy, I know. But <laughs> I think people just felt like, you know, hey, we still have birthday parties and we still have this and that, and, you know, and we can't, you know, go out and celebrate. So we need to bake our own cakes. Um, 
so that has surprised me. So yeah, it's kind of, there've been some things that have been a little surprising to me. My, uh, my wife does, does canning and, uh, she is saying right now that she is finding that there's a shortage of jars and lids that, uh, our local grocery yes. store said that they, they just don't have it and they don't think they're going to have it till November. Right. Right. That's one of the things I always tell people is, you know, make sure you, you have a, a you know, a stash of, of lids. Um, and you know, and I always encourage people to, to learn to can, mm-hmm. you need to learn to can, even if you don't want to do it all the time, every year, that kind of thing, learn to do it. So in a crisis like this, uh, you know, when a neighbor's got fruit or vegetables that they can share with you, that you have the ability to be able to preserve it. Right. All right. Well, I'm going to start us off here with just a real quick question. And it's something that, that I wasn't raised LDS. Um, so the whole idea of food storage was kind of foreign to me. My wife was a little more familiar with it. But I remember when she said, hey, we, we need to start getting food storage built up. Um, it was kind of intimidating, right? I was like, well, I don't even know where to start. I mean, if you're looking for me for advice, good luck. Um, <laughs> for, for someone that was that was like me coming into it right you don't have a background in it your whole life if you needed something the stores had it so it's something that hasn't entered your mind what advice would you give to someone who's just starting out because it can seem like a little intimidating Uh, yes it can seem very intimidating the first thing i would say is don't go on the internet find a list uh, for $10, you can prepare, you know, $10 a week, you can prepare, this is what you should buy. Um, that would be my first thing. Don't follow those lists. They just, please don't do it. <laughs> uh, you mean everything yeah. on the internet isn't true, Carolyn? <laughs> I know. Can you believe it? Um, it's, yeah. Um, I, the way that I approach food storage is that you store thy food group so if you are like in a situation like this where there's a pandemic you can't go to the store for weeks at a time um you want you still want to be healthy so you need to store all the various food groups so you and so think think that way okay so just these i need to store all the different food groups not just you know, a basement full of oatmeal and rice, but all the food groups. Um, so my whole stack, of, like a whole downstairs full of Diet Pepsi isn't going to work. No, I'm so sorry. <laughs> all right, go ahead. <laughs> however, however, you also need to store some of those things that are just comfort food. Right. And if your comfort thing is Diet Pepsi, then it, yes, you need some of that. Um, again, it's because it brings a sense of comfort and of peace and Mm -hmm. okay, things are going to be okay. They're going to be okay. Um, but I, so that would be my first thing was just, is just store the foods that, um, you normally eat in all the different food groups. So sit down with your family, decide what are our favorite meals and you know what ingredients do i need for those meals and start there and then um you know make make that the basis for for what you're storing 
uh, some, you know, I mean, some people eat rice every other meal. Other people eat it once a month. So that's why I say don't follow those, those, you know, those things that are on the internet. Right. Um, because you know what your family eats. So you are the best person to decide what you should store for your family. And some of us have dietary needs because we have, you know, children with uh, type one diabetes or with celiacs or something like that, or, or we are diabetic. Um, so, you know, store what you normally eat and store by food group. The other thing I would say is don't get overwhelmed by the whole thing. Just make one week your goal store one week's worth of food so that you have breakfast, lunch, and dinner for one week and some fun things, some snacky things, some of those comfort foods for one week, and then move on from there to two weeks and finally to three months. But don't go out and buy, you know, a hundred dollars worth of grains, for example, and then not have any fruits and vegetables to go with them. Right. Now, and, and I, I think you make a good point with with the foods that you eat. Right. Because let's face it, that's a huge shock to the system to go from your normal diet to um, a completely wheat based diet. Right. I mean, that's going to be horrible. Um, right. So let me ask you this. You said start with a week's worth. Right. Just just to get yourself started. Right. So, I mean, theoretically, I think most people could get an extra week's worth of food in a month easily. Right. Right. So you could say within a month, you know, you at least have a week and then just build from there. What would you recommend? How much food storage should a person be having? In the old days, I heard it was like up to a year's worth of food. Um, then I've heard some other things later on. What, what do you recommend? I recommend starting with a three month supply of the foods that you normally eat. And then um, a cushion of some kind. And uh, you know, whether that's six months or a year, that's kind of up to you. And um, the, the situation, the circumstances you're in, a lot of people don't have room to store a whole year's worth of food. And other people um, like are at the stage of life that I guess you and I are at where, you know, we have married children, um, where they might come home. So we might want to store, you know, a three month supply for those still living at home and then add a little bit more in case our married kids have to come home. Let's not um, say might, my kids definitely came home through COVID. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> thing I had a big house because they're all, not all of them, but, uh, the, the majority are back at home. And, uh, I find myself saying, I love you, but I can't miss you if you don't leave again. So, <laughs> well, it's some of us live in communities where, um, you know, or our church situation where we have people who are single moms who, mm -hmm. who can't afford to store or who, uh, where we have elderly couples who can't afford to store. So, you know, we may want to, you know, think about, you know, who would we be helping and, um, who can't who can't prepare on their own. I know that's a big controversy. Well, I don't want to help people who could have prepared and they just haven't. And so that, that's a whole different discussion, but there are people that, you know, that you might feel responsible for because they can't do it on their own. 
They just don't have the financial resources or the room or the knowledge to do it on their own. You know, I don't think I could ever turn anybody away, especially with kids, right? I, I just don't think I have it in me. Um, yeah, having said that, there's a difference between someone asking and someone wanting to just take, right? I mean, so I I can see that, but boy, I don't know. I think I'd be more inclined to help who I could. Right, right. So you might want a little bit, you know, the three-month supply of the things that you normally eat and then a little extras of things that you could share. Right. Um, You know, which might be more of the grains and beans and you know, those kinds of things that store for a long time. Sure. Sure. Um, we, you talked a little bit about circumstances and, and this is something that just popped into my mind here, here in Utah, we're seeing, and I I don't know what it's like in California and, and God bless you for living in California right now. You must be going through a bunch of stuff. I think pretty much the whole state's on fire at this point, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Wow. (laughs) It's very smoky and, there's ash raining down as we speak. How, how are you so, guys faring? Uh, we're we're doing fine. We're not in any danger. Good uh, from the fire, just from the smoke and ash. So okay, good. Anyway, back back to various circumstances. I don't know what it's like in California, but in Utah, there seems to be a large push with millennials, especially wanting to live in condos or just live in apartments. What can people who who live in tight quarters like that due to store food what, what ways can they store because the logistics seem a little rough you know what i mean yeah they are um i i think you've seen the facebook page that i have it's mm-hmm. um, facebook.com slash totally ready um and on that page for the last uh, six weeks or so, we have been posting once a week alternatives to where you can store food. And, you know, we all know about the, you know, you know, raise your bed and store food under your bed kind of things. Um, but there's lots of things that you can do, especially if you own a place that where you can add shelving or there's lots of ways to store food. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah. Anyway, look that up. <laughs> all right. And and we're going to get all that information from you again before you leave. And then uh, I'm going to post a couple links, if you don't mind, to your, your pages and whatnot um, after we're done here so that people can just go and find it. Now, do you do, do you do any consulting at all, Carolyn? So like if someone wanted to reach out to you, do you do, you do any of that? Uh, I do. Okay, perfect. Perfect. And we'll, so we're going to make sure we get all that information so we can put it on the, the page when we do that. Um, so what would you recommend to a family who, you know, a, a, a normal, a normal family, how much of their monthly budget would you recommend they put towards stocking up on food? Well, <laughs> um, I, I've never recommended a percentage of a monthly budget. Um, so I'm not exactly sure how to answer that question, except that there are lots and lots of ways to store food on a budget. Uh, I recommend, like, okay, for example, uh, the dollar store. If you have a dollar store near you, mm-hmm. uh, they often have great deals on 
lots of emergency prep items and also food. I would, I would recommend that you just buy one of anything that you're going to buy at a discount grocer or at the dollar store, anything like that. Just buy one, take it home, try it. If it's good, great, go buy a bunch. Um, but there are ways and there's some, you know, some simple things you can do on a budget. I, because people tell me all the time, I, you know, I don't have the money to do this. And, um, my feeling is I, I spoke with someone who was a, uh, um, return missionary from South America. And they said that what the, uh, sisters down there did was they just, every time they prepared a meal, they would take a handful of rice and put it in a bottle. And that was their food storage, just a handful of rice a day or a handful of beans a day. Hmm. And that was their food storage. And so they just built it very, very, very slowly, but within their means. And so there are other things you can do, like what things can you eliminate right now during the pandemic? There have been a lot of things that we have discovered we could eliminate. We don't have to go out to eat in order to have you know a a fun with our or Mm -hmm. interaction with friends we can zoom with friends or we can social distance a game night or you know social distance a movie night our neighbors had a drive-in movie night everyone came in their cars and they showed a movie on their garage door (laughs) and and everyone was there and they all stayed in their cars and they had fun together. Um, so there are things that, you know, um, we've discovered we don't really have to go to the grocery store every other day. We can go every two or three weeks. Uh, we can go and we can pick up groceries easily. All of those things save money. So think about the things that maybe you've learned during the pandemic where you've actually been saving money. Um, can you continue some of those things as we hopefully soon go back to come some kind of a normal existence. Um, but there's other things, uh, you know, have breakfast for dinner. Uh, breakfast is a very inexpensive meal. And, uh, you know, so once a week or twice a week have breakfast for dinner and use that money then to buy food storage. So there's lots of things you can do. And, and on, um, my website, which is totallyready.com, there's actually an article uh, that is posted there that you can download. And um, it's got, I don't know how many, a bunch (laughs) of suggestions for ways to save money and to buy food storage on a budget. That's awesome. You know, just as on, on a little bit of a side note on that, I, I think if there's one thing also, I think this pandemic has taught us a couple of things. One is this pandemic is, is fairly mild, right? I mean, this could have been way worse. This was almost a gentle reminder in some ways. But yes, I, I think in a lot of ways, it, it, it helped us refocus what was really important, right? All of a sudden, all the, the, the frivolities that we had when when life was going as we thought, as normal, those things really don't matter, right? I mean, and I've heard it over and over again that in some ways this was a blessing to to maybe help refocus a little bit. Um, so that was just a side note, but anyway, I, that that those are all great ideas. Um, so let's let's talk 
about this. You said, don't go on the internet and look for lists. Now, are is there like a planning sheet that you recommend that's good that that helps you keep track of everything? Because I would imagine that something like food storage could kind of get out of hand and be a little bit um, discombobulated, if you will, if if you don't keep track <laughs> of it. Like all of a sudden, you find yourself with sixty barrels of wheat and absolutely nothing else, or you you know what I mean? Right, right. Um, I, I don't recommend storing wheat unless you have a wheat grinder and you bake bread or you eat wheat cereals or don't store wheat. Um, that's why I say store food groups. So yes, you need grains, but if you don't eat wheat, don't store wheat. Don't waste your money on wheat, store rice and store quinoa, store, you know, flour. Um, if you bake bread but you don't have a wheat grinder store the flour um you know store oatmeal store grains for sure but don't store things you're not going to eat um and i just forget where i was going with that <laughs> I, I was at no that you're you're just you're just fine uh i was i was talking about some sort of like a, a planning sheet right oh a planning sheet. thank you for reminding no, me okay. something where you can look at it and just just say okay i'm good on this but i need more of this do you know what i mean something that just helps yeah help you stay focused on on how what you got and how much you need and what you're lacking in. okay um on on my uh website there there isn't actually an ebook and um that ebook does have a calculator in it where you can enter the number of children, the number of adults, and it will tell you exactly what you need to store, how many pounds of this or cans of that um, in order to have a three-month supply. You can also change it so that it will tell you how much you need for a two-week supply if that's your goal. Um, and then also on our uh, Facebook page, it, now you'll have to do a little searching. Um, <laughs> there, there's also an ebook on what I'm going to tell you, but if you just, you know, want to search yourself, um, in, um, 2014 or 15, we did a whole year of every week you store something. And by the end of the year, you have a three month supply. Um, so you can scroll back through things and you can look at that right now. What we're doing on the Facebook page is We've gotten away from it the last couple of weeks because of these fires, because we've been really focused on trying to help people through the fires. Um, but every week we have posted, you know, this week store grains, this week store fruits and vegetables, etc. Um, and so I can help you that way. Other than that, I would say, um, you know, you need to to do whatever you're comfortable with. If, if you're comfortable with creating a spreadsheet, then create a, create a spreadsheet. Um, and I would, again, I would do it by food groups. This is how many grains, this is how many, if you wanna break it down further, this is how much rice, this is how much oatmeal, that's great. But you don't necessarily have to do that unless it just makes you feel more comfortable about where you're at. Um, I would also say that you know, find out from your family. Uh, well, you probably have a good idea, but you can ask the kids because they like to, 
them voice their opinions. Right. Um, oh, I know. You know. <laughs> do you really like pears or do you really like applesauce better? And so, you, you know, if they really like applesauce better, you store a majority of applesauce and just a few pears and one or two pineapples, that kind of thing. So um, use a spreadsheet if you're, com- if you're comfortable with the spreadsheet and the computer. If not, just get out the good old paper and pencil and start making, uh, you know, lists of in different categories of, you know, um, this is what we've got stored. And then just make hash marks. You buy two cans of pears and you go in and you make two hash marks and you buy five more cans and then you make more hash marks and you'll know where you're at. Um, every time you come home from the store, just, you know, do that. Keep it simple, whatever it is you're comfortable with um, that you know you'll maintain. Because okay. that's the big thing. Yep. Is your, will you keep it up? Yep. No, that, that makes sense. Um, let me ask you why, why we're kind of on this, you know, the, the, the technical stuff here, how do you keep up on the rotation of your food storage? Right. Um, Cause even canned goods at some point are going to go bad. Right. So, so how do you make sure you're rotating through that stock? I, what I do when I come home is I mark in a, uh, just a permanent marker on the top of the can, the date I bought it, not the date that it, expires because I mean, unless you're buying something at a really discounted grocery store somewhere and things are going to expire in six months, that's different. But just if you're buying things at the grocery store, they rotate through them so fast that you don't have to pay attention to expiration dates. So I mark mine with the date I buy it. And then I just, I have a system. So all the old, the new stuff is on the, in a right, in the right and the old, wait a minute, the old stuff is on the right-hand side in my cupboard <laughs> and the, the, the old, the new stuff as I buy it is on the left-hand side in my cupboard. Um, and so I can look at a can and like I have, you know, like small cans of, like the small can size mm-hmm. cans of tomato sauce and stuff like that. They're just all in a basket so I can pull them in and out of the shelf more easily but they're dated on the top so I can look through them. Same with tuna fish. I have them dated on the top. So they're little cans in a bag, pull it out and I can find the oldest one pretty quickly. Um, So again, whatever works for you, but you need to be aware that um, expiration dates are not truly expiration dates. The, um, The government requires that manufacturers keep things until the expiration date. So uh, like, for example, we have a Hunts plant in here where I live. Okay. And um, so they, if the expiration date is 2021, they have to keep that barbecue sauce, that ketchup until 2021. And they have to systematically test it often to make sure it's still okay, that they don't have to do a recall on it. So they have to keep it that long. So they can't put an expiration date on it that's seven years out there because they can't store it that long and they don't want to test and store it that long. So most canned goods, if they are not dented, if they're not rusty or if they're not bulging, are good for up to seven years past an expiration date. Holy cow. So you don't have to panic so much about expiration dates. Just so that's why I just use the date I bought it, 
And for me, that's easier than looking at those tiny little expiration dates. On sure. Sure. Um, and then I just make sure that I buy things I'm really going to use. Right. Uh, if there are some specialty things that I only use at Christmas time, then, you know, I don't have 20 of those. I have two. Right. <laughs> and I replace them at Christmas time when I use them like pumpkin. I don't use pumpkin except at Christmas time when I make pumpkin bread or pumpkin pie. Uh, so I don't store a lot of it so that it gets replaced every year or every two years at the most. So. Gotcha. So it, it sounds like uh, for you, the, the key is real, really is just getting everyday items that you use anyway, that, that seems to, to kind of cure a lot of the ills that people run into with food storage. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and uh, like when we started talking, I said, you know, sit your family down and decide on things you love. That doesn't mean you need to only eat those recipes. But mm-hmm. as you, you know, like the ingredients, like in a chicken and rice casserole, there's rice and there's cream of chicken soup and there's chicken and a veggie, usually something like that. Like all kinds of things and rice and chicken and cream of chicken soup it's not just that one recipe that you would have to use over and over again but you know that if your family likes chicken and rice casserole they like all the ingredients in it so you can make other things with those same ingredients um and so that's kind of the idea make sure that you you are storing ingredients too okay so, um, no, that, you know that makes sense taco seasoning and those those kinds of things that you know if you really get down to the end of it and you can't for some reason go to the grocery store or the grocery store is out of things um you can make some kind of a dish with you know rice and chicken and taco seasoning and the next night you can do rice and chicken and barbecue sauce or you right. know, whatever you get the idea yep so Let's let's switch gears here a little bit. And one of the things that, uh, to be honest with you, I still haven't figured out. Uh, Some of my family have prescriptions that they have to go get monthly. What can a family do as far as trying to build some sort of reserve with that? Because I look at that and I'm like, that's that's spooky, especially we discovered through the pandemic that we got a lot of our prescriptions from China. Right. So they weren't right. You got a little nervous there. Right. You're like, well, if we're not producing them here at home, it might be a little tougher to get. Is is there anything a family can do to remedy that? That's really hard. <laughs> um, I have a couple of prescriptions and mine are not um, life threatening. I don't need to. I can skip a day a week. So mm-hmm. that's what I did to to try to, to start to build mine up was I skipped a day a week. And and then before long, I had, you know, a, a week supply, an extra week supply. Um, right. And now eventually I built it to an extra month supply. So I use the old ones first. I, when I get the new prescription, I, you know, I save that now. So I'm a month ahead now. Um, if you can do that, great. Some some things you can't do that with. You have to take them every day. Um, I would ask the doctor uh, if he has samples, 
see if there's samples. And a lot of doctors will give you samples if they know what you're trying to do. And, you know, especially now with the pandemic, um, and especially if you are in a prescription that makes you high risk, a doctor is much more willing to say, okay, here's some samples, use the samples because they do expire more quickly. So use Mm -hmm. the samples first and then save, keep refilling your meds and you will end up with a supply. Um, That's awesome. That's something I would never have thought of, of doing. There, yeah, <laughs> there's there's tricks, um, and then and if you have the, your prescription changed, like I had my prescription changed, the 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 um, prescription is the same, but the milligrams I take are different, and mm-hmm. so I saved the old one. The old one was was higher, so I saved that um, and just cut them in half. <laughs> And I could do that with the prescription I was on. And then I just took those for a while, which allowed me to build up a little bit more of a reserve. So, uh, you know, there's, there are ways, but you have to kind of be creative, a little bit creative. A little bit creative. And and then it's going to vary from circumstance to circumstance based Mm -hmm. on what the medication is for. Mm -hmm. But I I like, I like what you said about talking to the doctor and seeing what, what, what he would recommend. So I, I think that's good as well. Now, Carolyn, after you have your your initial needs met, so to speak, as far as your food storage, are you a fan of storing things maybe you wouldn't use for, say, bartering or trading down the road in case it's a you know a prolonged uh, crisis? I well, I mentioned toilet paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's my favorite, um, and there are things that I I do store that are shelf shelf stable for years like rice and um and beans because they are long term we don't use a lot of those um for health reasons we don't use a lot of beans and um Mm -hmm. but um but i do know that they would be something that they are protein rice and beans together are complete protein so i could trade that to somebody who who needed that. Um, I have a friend who stores coffee, which is really kind of crazy to me because she would never rotate that. Um, but you know, um, and I have seen lists where they say to store alcohol because people who consume alcohol will be desperate. Um, I wouldn't recommend that, (laughs) um, you know, but I would, I would recommend storing things that are um, shelf stable so that they could be stored for years and years and years, uh, like laundry detergent um, and uh, toothpaste, things that you wouldn't necessarily want to be without, but you can store for a long, long time. So you can rotate through it. Um, right. You know, but. This this may be off the topic, and, and maybe you have or haven't, you know, gotten into this portion of it. And I know and if it's a silly question, you can just be like, hey, we're going to pass that. But <laughs> what, what, what about, like, clothing, right? That's one of the things I've often thought about is, you know, I, I years ago, I, I shouldn't say years ago, about until about a year ago, I always worked out outside. So I always had clothes that I just bought that were expensive that lasted a long time. They were durable. 
what do you do? Have you, have you thought about, you know, if you got young kids at home and they grow, they could outgrow those shoes or that sort of thing. Um, have you dealt, have you kind of thought about any of that? Um, uh, yes. <laughs> when it comes to, uh, your kits, uh, now we don't do 72 hour kits anymore. We do five day kits because all the, um, government agencies and relief agencies all acknowledge now that three days isn't enough. So we, you know, we recommend five day kits, 120 hour kits. Mm -hmm. So, um, I recommend that in those kits, you put clothing that's larger sizes for children, because if, but how often do we rotate through that stuff? You know, we forget about it. So, um, you know, put, put clothing in there. That's at least a size bigger than what your children wear now. Do the same with diapers, put in at least a size bigger than your children wear now. Then when your children grow into that, you take those out, you let them use them and, and you replenish those with clothing. That's a size bigger, um, diapers that are a size bigger. If you end up having to use them, you can, you know, use your, safety pins or use the duct tape that you have to make them fit. Um, But that's what I recommend is always do something a size bigger in your kits. And so then you'll have at least five days worth of underwear and two or three shirts, a pair of pants that are big enough in an emergency for your children to wear. Um, If like in the pandemic we're home, they just wear their pajamas. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, but, um, <clears throat> you know, and in a lot of circumstances like the pandemic, we can order, order stuff online and have it delivered. But in an emergency where you're going to be evacuated to an evacuation site, it's much better for your kids to be wearing something that's a little too big and you just have to safety pin it to make it fit than to have something that's too small. Yeah. No, you're right. Like I said, with this pandemic, um, it it really wasn't that bad. And and yet it really exposed some of our weaknesses as far as, you know, a supply chain and and the whole ball of wax. Like I said, sometimes I feel like it was more of a a blessing in a lot of ways just to expose some of our weaknesses. And hopefully we get those addressed. Yeah, I hope so. Um, You know, I mean, People have been saying for a long time we're far too dependent on on China for things, and I think that we've seen that. I still can't find zinc in my in my pharmacy store. I know there's still no zinc. There's still no isopropyl alcohol. Um, you know, and we have come become very dependent on other countries for so much. And right now with our fires, um, you know, I'm in I'm in California. And so much of our food comes from California. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, are we prepared for what could happen? I, we just had a terrible storm go through Iowa that destroyed a huge part of yep. the corn crop in, in Iowa and a lot of other crops. Um, and now we have fires in California. And, um, and now this doesn't, mean anything to me but it's pretty much you know destroyed the wine grapes <laughs> right um, because of the smoke and um we um we export 
nuts and dried fruits to Japan. And we're still not sure how it's going to affect the almonds and the walnuts. And um, if there will be any smoky flavor to those or, you know, how that's going to affect those because they're just coming due now to be harvested. Um, so, you know, there's just, there's just so many things like that. that I have a, I have a good friend who's a, who's an economist and he, through this whole thing, I've, I've kind of talked with him several times and he said, the thing you have to understand is that in, in today's society where, where we are essentially a global society in the, in the sense that, that we trade, which is a good thing by and large, but that network is very complex and very delicate. And when one thing falls, it's not isolated, right? It, you feel a right. ripple effect down the road. And I'm not sure we've actually felt that yet, right? I, I think we felt the initial impact, but I'm not sure where we felt the that those ripples yet. Um, I did a podcast where you know, I basically said, maybe we should stop dealing with China as much that, you know, not just because it's better that we produce our own stuff, but also they don't really like us a whole bunch. Right. I mean, we're kind of a necessary, we're kind of a necessary evil to them. And, and they, they've already proven they're kind of bad actors on that stage. So, so maybe it is time to get that back home. But I think if we're going to do that, we, we have to start local and we have to start with our families, which is why I have you on. So, um, let, let me ask you this. You, you talked about your 72-hour kits or your bug-out bags or, or whatever they're called. I guess now it's five days, you said? Right. What do you put in those as terms of, in terms of food? Oh, good question. Um, <laughs> um, you, put in, you put things in those that your family likes to eat that are comfort foods. But you do not put anything in there that requires water. So instant oatmeal, that kind of thing you don't put in there because so often in an emergency, there's no water. Um, and if you end up going to a shelter, there's limited water often. Um, mm -hmm. Like right now, uh, our, we have a daughter who's in Oregon, right in the middle of the fires in Oregon mm -hmm. and, um, and they've been told to boil their water that, yeah. you know, the water is, isn't good. Don't use the water. So, um, often in a situation like that, you'll go to a shelter and they'll give you bottles of water, but that's not really enough to reconstitute a bunch of oatmeal or something. So, um, so kind of steer clear of that. Don't put anything in there that's salty. Cause that also, uh, will make you want more water will make you want to drink will increase your thirst. So don't do that. Um, I would suggest as far as water is concerned that everyone have a, um, a water bottle that has a filter okay. so that you could use, you could use water that was slightly contaminated because the filter would filter out all that stuff. So you would have a source of water. Um, as far as food is concerned, I, you know, just the basic kinds of things, seriously, that, that are strange, crazy. Um, but, uh, you know, granola bars and those kinds of things, you want calories. At right. this point, you're not as worried about nutrition as you are calories to keep up your strength. So 
Um, just things like that. And if you are going to, if you have a bug out bag, in addition to your, the kits that you're carrying, um, in those canned fruits or the little individual packets of, you know, applesauce and those kinds of things are good. Um, if you're doing something like that, I would look for the ones that have pop tops on them and, um, and, and put those in there. Cause then you don't need to worry about can openers and all that kind of stuff. And did it get lost? Did it, where is it? Um, if you're going to use something that has a pop top lid, then on every single can put a piece of duct tape or a good strong packing tape, something like that over that pop top. So it doesn't get caught on something and open. In your gotcha. Case. Um, but those kinds of things, I mean, there are some really good um, emergency bars that you can purchase that taste really good. Um, and again, if you're going to do that from, you know, one of these places that sells emergency foods, uh, I would buy one and try it. Make sure your family likes it. Um, and there are some that are, you know, various flavors and you know so order one of each flavor see what your family likes again it's calories and these bars are like you know 500 calories <laughs> so right um but i i would also make sure that you have um like hard candies something like right. that in there because that helps with your thirst and it also keeps the kids satisfied and the adults <laughs> Yeah. Or something sweet. <laughs> yep. No, I, I agree totally. You were bringing up water. And right after I'm done here, um, I roll into another one with a gentleman who um, actually has some product that you can put in your water that's supposed to make it safe. I've uh, I've vetted that thing six ways to Sunday, and I can't find a fault in his, in his logic on it. So you may want to listen to that once I uh, post that as well. There's some interesting stuff on that um, as okay. well as the filters. Um, so my last question, I think I know what, what, what your answer is going to be of this. You see all over the place, right? You, you hear it kind of talked about on, on talk shows. You see it all over the internet where, you know, they offer, Hey, you can buy a whole year supply of food for X amount of dollars. What's your opinion on those things? Oh, I think it's awful. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I do for a couple of reasons. First is I think um, that if you're not using something, you're not used to using it, uh, and you're not used to cooking with it, your family will may not like it. So then you end up with all of this food that your family doesn't like. And children and and the elderly will often not eat something. They will they will starve before they'll eat something they don't like. Right. Um, so you want to make sure that your family really likes whatever it is. The other thing is some of these kids. Uh, a few years ago, Costco was sued for selling them. They were selling a bucket that was supposed to be a month's supply for four <laughs> people or something like that. There were so few calories in that. It was just, there's no way it would have kept up your strength. 
you know. Um, so I would just be very apprehensive of All anything right. like that. And again, and- a lot of them, a lot of them are, you know, freeze dried or dehydrated, and you need water. Right. So, and sometimes, you know, if you take a like a cup of freeze dried or dehydrated something or other, in order to reconstitute it, it takes you know two or three times that. So you have one cup of product, and then you need two or three cups of water, which you may not have. Yeah. No, I I I agree totally. I. I, well, and furthermore, like you were saying, they taste horrible, horrible. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I was a hunter for quite a years and uh, quite a few years and we take uh, MREs with us and I'm like, oh man, no wonder military guys are always in shape. They just don't eat. <laughs> I mean, holy cow. So yeah, no, they, they're, they're not the greatest tasting thing in the world. So we're, we're almost done here. Carolyn, is there anything that we didn't talk about that you feel is super important that, that I just completely missed? Um, I don't think so. I'm not going to take up any more of your day. You stay safe out there, all right? Okay, thank you so much. So that was the interview I had with Carolyn back in 2020. And first, I just want to tell you, I took a lot of what she said and I implemented it into my own uh, food storage plan. And let me tell you, I can guarantee you 100% this stuff works. If it works for a guy like me who, let's face it, I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, I know it's going to work for you guys. Um, I've seen it over and over again. So take some of that stuff and use it because I think inflation is only going to get worse. As I said, I'm not a prophet, so I'm not prophesying here. I just have a feeling with war overseas, uh, us printing way more money, more variants on the horizon, I think we're only going to see inflation get worse. Next. I need to take this moment to tell you, the listeners, I can't appreciate you enough. Um, The reception to this podcast has been uh, beyond my wildest dreams. You guys are awesome. I would ask that you continue to share this podcast with those you feel like can benefit from it um, and continue listening. Want to give a quick plug? Uh, We're going to go ahead and have some more audio up on some more deep doctrine that we're going to get into, and that's going to be up no later than Friday. So stick around for that. Until next time, may God be with you. 